At long last, we're back for another episode of Strange Assembly, the Legend of the Five Rings podcast. I'm sure you've all been distraught that you uh, didn't get bi-weekly episodes from us in, in November. You you guys think they're all distraught, right? Yeah. I and missed us. I totally had nothing to do for a month because I didn't have anything for the podcast. Why'd you have to go out of town, Chris? Why? I, I'm, a, I'm a terrible human being who, who just wants to deprive you of all joy, Kevin. You are. I mean, we knew that already. Yes. That's, that's not news. Okay, I'm Chris Stevenson. Here with me are Kevin Kennedy. Hi. Jay Earl. Hey. Trevor Valentine. Hello, children. <laughs> and uh, Justin Purdy. Hi, non-children. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it has been a bit. Anybody, you guys do anything interesting while I was off gallivanting around Ohio, I guess? I have been working like a fiend. I was gallivanting around Malaysia. I've been procrastinating like a fiend. I plead the fifth. So is procrastinating the fiend the same as being changed with death that yeah. you were complaining about earlier? I thought about doing my working time. <laughs> that occasionally can be a good idea. It's still Tuesday. I got, I got two days. <laughs> I got this. <laughs> all right. So, so by the time you all hear this podcast, Trevor will have failed uh, <laughs> due to not actually doing his work. His parents will have cut him off from the trust fund. I have about 13 Red Bulls in my fridge. I'm going to be up for three days. <laughs> Not only is it Red Bull, it's Red Bull Cola. It's yep. natural, natural cola to go with the oh-so-natural caffeine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, today on Strange Assembly, we're going to talk about the Empire at War environment and how it's developed. We're going to talk about the four rules and whether we like them and whether or not there's anything that should be changed going into the next Cote season. We're finally, by popular demand, going to be talking about the whole spider situation and the mega game, a little wrap-up of Solving the Riddle, and a preview from the upcoming Dead of Winter expansion. Also, in this episode of Strange Assembly, we have some real music from Aria. That's uh, A-Y-R-I-A. You can check out their website at www.area.com, and we hope you like that, too. So here's some of it. Well, first up, let's talk about the actual card game that we all play. The last several episodes that you guys heard, we were talking about the Empire War environment from the uh, you know, completely ignorant, nothing has actually been played yet perspective. And now we can talk about it from the almost as ignorant, important stuff has been played, but we weren't there because it was on another continent perspective. And worst of all, it was in Europe. Yes, as opposed to all those major tournaments that they frequently have in Antarctica. Yes. Penguins can flop some cards. Yes. We all know how much Trevor loves furries. (laughs) I hate you guys. (laughs) We have world championships. It was won by Phoenix. Two of you are Phoenix. Yeah. Woo! Is that Gen Con M Worlds? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Jen. Apparently, um, somebody else won Gen Con. It wasn't Phoenix, despite appearances. Well, so what do you think? How's, how's your clan doing? I'm pretty happy with my clan. 
I've been happy with the entire arc with my clan. We Do you have, still have, like, 15 playable decks? Yeah. Yeah. I have, like, a ton of decks. I've got one deck, actually, that doesn't have a single Shigena Genja in it that works. I, I think we're going to have to take it's your not... uh, Phoenix Clan uh, membership if that's the case. Sorry. Okay, it's got, like, one Shigenja in it. Okay, you're still good. Okay. Now, I thought you were required to run at least, like, what, five? Lingen. To have somebody say no. No, it's OGI. Or... Oh, 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 okay. Yeah. yeah we... One of the two. Yeah. Yes, yes. Extensive testing has shown that Ochai is ridiculously good. Ochai is awesome. Yeah. Have you ever heard me complain about Ochai? No. No, no. Have you ever heard me complain about Phoenix's arc? No. Really, really happy with Phoenix's arc, honestly. Yeah, well, that's that's interesting, too, because Phoenix is very happy with where they are, even though despite winning Worlds, they haven't had a... Other than that, there hasn't been a ton of tournament success. And yet there are other clans that have done better and or that are doing better who don't really like where they are that much, like Mantis and Crane, who aren't They're world leaders by any means, but well, I think we go through phases where, you know, all clans are whiners at different times. But I mean that's interesting. What do you guys think it is that has made Phoenix players happy with their decks even when they aren't doing well throughout this arc, but but Mantis and Crane have not been happy with their decks. Sort of detached from, from it's performance. It's got to be the number of options available, I think. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what I was going to say is that a Phoenix, I mean, no matter what type of Phoenix deck you want to play, you can probably play it competitively. Whereas Mantis has had one option that you can play competitively, and Crane has had half an option they can play competitively. They've had two. They, they can still do military. Yeah, like that's going to happen. I said Crane. No, no. <laughs> no, no, player, Crane players. There you go. Not the clan, yeah. Crane players. So is this like, you're just going to make the exact same Scorpion jokes that Kevin makes, but insert Crane? Probably. That's the, uh, the, the brilliant sort of insight that we you can only find at <laughs> so this strange You know I'm getting you for Christmas, right? I'm getting you a shirt with a bullseye on it. Oh, good, that old matchbox jacket that has a giant bullseye on it. It's dangerous in the South. <laughs> That's yeah, very dangerous in the South. Yeah. Anyways. We're in the South? Yeah, apparently. Atlanta still does count. Uh, I guess before we talk about the specific decks, for whatever it's worth, <laughs> the sort of making the cut numbers right now are Lion, Dragon, Scorpion, Crab, Mantis, sorry Trevor, your clan doesn't suck, Crane, Unicorn, Spider, Phoenix... <laughs> So that's that's kind of the the general thing. Surprise but, everyone! Scorpions in number three. Scorpion got some really really fantastic stuff last set. The only reason why I rated Scorpion solo is just because I'm hateful. <laughs> you are. Uh, it probably has something to do with why Trevor rated Lion last. No, they suck. <laughs> I don't see how they win things. Honestly, it blows my mind every time. <laughs> Your mind must have been blown a lot. <laughs> I hear going first helps. Adderwall solves all those problems. Uh, yes. But, I mean, as far as specifics go, you had a lot of different decks in the top 16s at, at Worlds, both in the main events and in the second chance event. You had, let's see, Phoenix had a Shrine of Champions Alchemist Honor deck. Mantis had, you know... Dragon Guard City, Magistrates and Followers, that's probably not a surprise. Multiple City of Tears, Military Honor Switches, a City of Tears, Military Enlightenment Switch, multiple Naked Lion decks, multiple Dishonor Bleed decks, multiple Last Up Castle Dueling decks. I mean, 
I say multiple, but that's only three out of 32, which is down from you know six months ago. Uh, <laughs> TKM Enlightenment, Itaku Followers, Itaku Planes Without Followers, Seven Pole Palace Control, Seven uh, Shattered Peace Castle Heroes with Dueling, Shattered Peace Castle Heroes with Berserkers, Outsider Keep, Super Friends, POV Multiple, Monk Military, Greg Wong and Monk Military <laughs> with the Greg Super Wong Friends deck. and Claiming the Throne because... You know, it's Greg, and he can do whatever he wants. Normal Breeder, Goblin Breeder, four different Lion decks. Naked Lion, Cavalry out of Central Castle, Cavalry Items out of Central Castle, something else out of Great Halls, Shiro Daidoji, Scout Artisan on it, or Follower Base Ninja, and a Ninja deck out of Fortress of Black and Sight. Wow. Some people like battle actions. Other people like to win games. <laughs> Well, he, he did top game, 16. So, he did yeah. stop 16, but... I think he got second, actually, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I just wrote down what the, yeah. the decks were in that. So, I, I mean... So the take-home from this ridiculously long list is that's a whole lot of different deck types. Right. I mean, every clan's got a good deck at this point. Crane yeah. finally has a good, solid, competitive deck that they want to play. Your military's still better. Not just one, but multiples. I mean, you have a a deck that takes the scout elements that a lot of crane decks have been using this arc and adds in artisans, and then the you know basically the revival of of sevenfold palace. So that's two different defensive honor decks that they're playing. Crab can play stuff out of Shattered Peaks Castle, right? I mean, they, yeah. And that's, those well, the, I mean, but Crab does have two distinct decks out of Shattered Peaks Castle. There's one which is the Berserker deck, and and then there's the other one which is more hero-oriented or, or big follower-oriented. I thought they had the Kuan deck and the other Kuan deck. Well, they, I, the, I, think, the, I think all of their decks out of Shattered Peaks Castle have a hero component. I mean, they're playing Shattered Peaks Castle heroes, and then they're either adding Berserkers into it, or they're adding Followers into it, or they're adding Dueling into it. I mean, but I think the, 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 the really good stronghold and the really core of, of the heroes not dying. is kind of, yeah, kind of the base of, of yeah. all the different things it's that Crab is like doing. It's a lot like how Lion has play all of our awesome guys and then pick one of these four or five buffet options to throw into your deck. Crab kind of have the same thing yes. with Shattered Peaks Castle. Play your awesome heroes... And then pick one of these two or three other things over here to which, throw in. Which, which flavor of heroes would you like to play today? Yeah, they're doing well as in the well in the tournament, and there are, at least it's not just all, it's not all cookie cutter decks. I mean, there is a certain really strong component that that everything adds on to, but at, at least there's some differences. And your description of lion is entirely unfair, Justin. There are at least two different sets of good lion personalities now. You can either bother playing with the cavalry guys or not. Right. <laughs> How could I have forgotten? Yes. Yes. Let's see, Dragon is mostly rocking two different decks, either variants of Pillars of Virtue Military or good old Last Step Castle Dueling. Well, there was one TKM deck in there. There was a TKM Enlightenment deck in there, but I think that there's... I think Enlightenment, because of the nature of the deck, has an attendance cap, basically. I don't know. I mean, there are, there are players who really, really, really want to play Enlightenment, and they will gravitate towards trying to play Enlightenment regardless of how good it is. And, and granted, there are a decent number of those in in Dragonlands, plus J. Yep. But then I think because of the nature of the deck, even if it gets good, 
there's also a limit on how many people are are going to switch have, over have to that. Patience yeah. to deal with yeah. that. Yeah. It's a deck that you have to practice with, I think, more than yeah, than it, almost it, any other. deck. It's a difficult deck to play. That's for sure. Too many yeah. moving parts for my taste. And it's another combo deck. I mean, you got to see your stuff come up. You know, there's an awful lot more ways to get your stuff to come up when your stuff is rings than when your stuff is is something else. But it's it's very complicated. It's not. I don't think it's a deck that most players could just net deck and then show up at a Kote without having really played with it and, and do well. I mean, obviously there are some players who can. Whereas there are a good number of just straightforward, you know, military decks where there are common elements in how you make attacking decisions and attaching decisions from, from deck to deck. I mean, there may be nuances, but at least you've got the basics. But Enlightenment just kind of warps the whole way that you're playing the game. Yeah, it's a, it's a less forgiving deck type. But it is cool that there's a, a playable competitive deck for that deck type out there. Yeah, and... Yeah, one of the Phoenix decks was a City of Tears military Enlightenment switch too. I don't. Do you guys know how much Enlightenment that was? How much I haven't seen the deck. that was. My my guess is it's probably running one with the world and the uh, flow of the tides. What's the card, name of the card that harpoons people? Oh, um, oh, don't remember offhand either. The harpoon spell. Yeah, the harpoon yes. spell. There you go. There's some spell that harpoons people. And both, both of those cards give you fourth bonus for having rings in play, right. um, and they help you score rings. What yeah, one with the world is what's what's the word ridiculous? Yeah, it is. I mean, uh, I think the word is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I've got a deck that just plays all five rings and one with the world and just drops the rings out because they're so good once they're in play. I don't play the mind lightning deck. Udo doesn't have time for that. <laughs> <laughs> Udo should make some time. He's too busy making soup. He's making soup. <laughs> yes, I I think Oni, that Oni curry. I, I think that. Udo is, at this point in time, the single most popular humor character yes. in L5R. He has surpassed Poku. I have oh, yeah. that drew a chef hat of mine. <laughs> it's amazing. Yes. Well, I mean, you can't go through a forum thread, I don't I don't think, without somebody making a joke about Udo cooking this or Udo. Like, oh, we just had the story about the lion who went north and, and died fighting the Yobajin, and somebody made a comment about zombies on fire. Of course, he immediately goes to, oh, look, it's it's Udo making a meal to go. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, with the Udo. Lifetime of the game, I don't know if it's yet up to with Toku, but certainly for the current environment, Udo is the... Uh, yeah, poor, poor, poor Toku. Toku, Toku should, you know, be Toku okay. Snacks. He had, you know, his 7,000 experience versions and... Uh, experience, like, 17 Toku. He's got one force. <laughs> Still... <laughs> Uh, and he gets exhaustion tokens, yes! But, uh. So many exhaustion token jokes, so little time. I, 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 I you know, I, you're right, I, one, I don't want to know, <laughs> but also, I think you're now talking about something that 90% of our listeners are like, what the heck is exhaustion? Is an exhaustion I, I, I'm okay with that. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, what the heck are these exhaustion tokens? I, I'm okay with telling jokes yeah, well, you can, two of our I'll listeners. pull out XP Toku for you after we're done. Yeah, you, go, go on the internet. Yes, John will uh, laugh. The rest of you can go look it up on O5R Search. And we'll have another old man John session. <laughs> One of these. Back in my days, we had exhaustion tokens. <laughs> yes, now you have seduction tokens. And sake tokens. Yes. Yeah, you can make similar jokes about all of them. I like yes. the sake tokens. Anyways, so Lion's got the, the usual. Well, Lion had good old 
Central Castle, Naked Lion, still rocking it up. They had a cavalry-focused Naked Lion. You had... Uh, All Ancestors, or whatever the record's called. You had Great Hall. Let's see, what was the Great yeah, Hall? I've seen was Great that? Hall getting a lot Cass, more cavalry items. Remember, figured this is the worst stronghold ever. Yeah. I hear, we yeah. hear that a lot. I, it's been pretty good for them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think both of those are, are decent. I still like I still like the Bushido stronghold the least. Right now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mantis. Trevor? Yep, still same <laughs> box. Still place followers. I've, yes. tried, I've tried, dude. I've tried to make a good scout deck. I it, no, box. I've like, tried every possible thing. It's hard. It was right to the trash can. <laughs> Not, no love for your enlightenment. I don't I've even we seen your enlightenment. No, I, I have the thunder deck that can beat military and lose to dishonor like a champion. <laughs> no auto loss. Yes. Phoenix, I think we yeah, went we through Phoenix. Like, yeah, you can yeah. play pretty much whatever you want. Now, there's something that I thought was interesting, though, is that out of those 32 decks I just listed off, I don't think there was a Twin Soul Temple in there, which is impressive, because that box is it's good. Amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, I love that box. <laughs> but, City of Tears is just so flexible, though. Yeah. yeah. And, and you get so much good explosives out of it. <sighs> you do. Well, yeah, C- City of Tears gives you the... Every single card in my fate deck kills something. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Kill, killing, Must be nice. City of Kill, Tears killing is, guys is still good. Yeah, I love killing City guys. City of Tears is, I think I'm fine, I got this battle. Oh, in Ikune's name, wonderful. Oh, Essence of Destruction. Scorpion. Scorpion can play Dishonor, or Scorpion can play Ninja. Hey! We're finally getting people to play Ninja. Yay! Not personally, but... Please People are finally play Ninja. It's good. Yeah. Ninja is good, and the Dishonor is good. The Ninja's been getting good, and Dishonor got so much, so stuff. much stuff in Empire of War. Yeah. Yeah. My Ninja deck is by far my strongest deck right now. It rarely loses anything. The, the, they've also got a good not magistrate military deck that I've seen some people play. But Scorpion players don't play military, Kevin. I know. I beat you to your own punchline. I know. <laughs> they, they, they do, they play. They play the ninjas now. Ninjas just don't exist. Know. That doesn't okay. count. Do, do we consider ninja players actual Scorpion players? No, they have pajamas. Pajamas okay. are awesome. Is pajama a clan now? It's always been a clan. Yeah. Yes. Kind of, used yeah. to have a stronghold. <laughs> yeah, you get some faceless dudes, the Scorpion, and like two lion what? There was a Lion Clan ninja? There was a man who Clan ninja. He wore white pajamas. See, I've talked to Sean, and he assures me that there was, in fact, no Mantis Clan ninja that you're hallucinating. I can pull him up. <laughs> okay, Trevor, we're cutting off your Red Bull now. <laughs> I have three more in the car. No. I'm going to be up for three days. There are, no, ma- no matter how much you want it, Trevor, there are no Mantis Clan furry bird men <laughs> for you to play with. <laughs> you guys. <laughs> <laughs> spider, what what happened to Spider? Is everybody just meta dropped, and everybody and dropped the Breeda meta in their deck? Yeah, like, I'm not running a deck right now without like crossing the Forbidden Sea and Imperial Census in it. But that doesn't really hurt Breeder that much. It does if you can take all the provinces in one turn. I had I literally had a game where I dropped out crossing the Forbidden Sea against a, a Goblin Scout deck and dropped like an attachment on three people and took a province with each of them and the guy was like, that's awesome. I mean, the oh all the meta does is it just takes these pretty decent draws you have and, you know, gives you that little bit more, hopefully. If you're staring down 20 zombies, you probably lost, unless Census flops and you're like, hooray, take everything. Zombies, what zombies? They can uh, dead do not rest in. 
Yeah. All they need is one zombie. I still wish Fury of the Dark Lord still killed those tokens. Yes. Yeah. Unicorn got second at Worlds. Has not been setting the world on fire by any means, but I I think has been doing better than we thought it would. I mean, we a lot of we kind of just defaulted to dropping Unicorn down near the the bottom because they didn't seem to have Anything much of a reason much. to move up, and they're they're still near there, but they're they're doing okay. A couple different outsider keep decks that have done well. I think I just I think somewhat foregoing cavalry in exchange for just good gold production and filthy ability. But we 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 could ask. John, what he's been playing lately, but I believe that would be Peekaboo or something. <laughs> What's John been playing lately? Last time I played against him? Lion. Lion. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little bit left in the Empire at War environment. Is there something that you guys think is, is good hiding out there that hasn't Better done Kensai. well on the... Monk Kensai? Monk Kensai. I've seen Trevor's deck. Uh, Trevor's got a friend who's got a similar deck. He's actually running Sneak Attack. Trevor is not. Trevor does not like sneak attack for some reason. Bad card. <laughs> I you don't politely... like sneak attack, but you're playing a clan full of it. I don't play sneak attack. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, he's, he's uh, like, this is unfair. I shouldn't have to play a card from my hand to no, take the it. first battle action. I politely disagree, but I think, uh, that... I think the spider Kensai deck is actually pretty good. Yeah, I think Dragon Kensai is better than the results of it's one almost nothing, say. Oh yeah, the farthest fortress. Yeah. I don't think anyone's really playing the box yet. Is no, like, no one's playing that. Well, I mean, it's easy to skip over it when you've got like five or six other pretty darn playable decks. And LSC is so easy to play. Crane is underperforming from what I thought it would too. That they have two viable decks. And you don't mean the two that did well in no, Worlds? They, they have two other viable something decks. In, what's the second one other than what? Sea Watch Castle Military is one, right? Yeah. And then what's the other? There is a very, very fragile uh, sevenfolds deck that crosses on turn four. What? <laughs> it, it's very fragile, but it when it goes off, it's just stupid. I would like uh, to see that. Yeah. Well, I don't wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. I think the uh, the sevenfolds lockdown deck is is pretty yeah pretty good. Yeah, well, but that's one of the ones that's already done in there. I. Yeah, I'm not sure what else is out there. I mean, I think, again, I guess it seems like Phoenix should have a good TST, but they've got plenty of other good things. Phoenix does have a good TST. Well, I mean, that has actually done anything. What about, I guess, Eco Warfare out of Mantis is nope. still Dragon Guard City with followers. I mean, well, that was, I mean, you had a magistrate focused deck that, that did well at, at Worlds, but, I mean, it's, of course, it's still out of Dragon Guard City. What else would you play it out of? Uh, that's the only box for that thing. Clan. Only box for that clan. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm being a little yeah. bit more, more literal and less with the hyperbole. I'll, I'll leave that to you and Kevin. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but, leave it to the ones who are good at it. Yeah. I actually am not impressed by either of the Kensei so far, or any of the Kensei so far. They're all okay. I think it's better than results suggest. I'm not saying it's a super incredible deck, but People just haven't figured out or anything. I've only put time to the spider one because they have so many janky cards you can play with. The way that the spider Sohei theme is, I'm going to take two different themes and get to play with all Tom of the cards. cards yeah. for, well, I mean, not all of them. They Sounds are, like a recipe for success to me. Was it Earth and Strike? The card is amazingly... It, yeah, what I, now they're, they're lacking in 
guys, though, right? I know when I've sat down and tried to make no. a Spider Kensei, I'm not thrilled with the my solid. personalities. It's not straight monks, but there's a good 70% are monks. Huh. If you go down to that percentage, you're at least getting out of the whole, I have these dudes who have force and nothing else. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't hit the deck. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I'm emoji. Yay! Speaking of TST decks, I placed sixth in the uh, Winner's Choice Tournament in Florida, which was top Phoenix there with the TST deck. And I think pretty much the only reason why I didn't make the cut was because something really weird happened with the pairings in the last round of that tournament. Yeah. Um, and that was down at Athena Games, I think. That was the name of the place, right? You're asking me? Uh, you were there, too. I was physically there. <laughs> So is this the normal Trevor tournament oh, yeah. experience? Oh, it was yeah. bad. Trevor placed second there. I, I gave it to my friend. <laughs> it was pretty hilarious, Yeah, I have to say. And he paid for it later. Yeah, and I got a sword, and I paid for that later. <laughs> okay, then. Now that you've both implicated yourself in collusion or something. No, no. Because Lord knows that no L5R tournament has ever been settled by one guy conceding to another. Ever. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking ever. about. Ever. <laughs> uh, but, uh, there you go. We, we could talk about that in the floor rules segment, which uh, yeah, we could. We'll, we'll, we'll do next, because I think we're done with, with this one. Somehow it feels I'm getting Floor rules, things that tell us how we run our tournaments and get revised every year, sometimes to no fanfare whatsoever, sometimes to six months of 90% of L5R players wanting to kill Coulson. You know, depending on what time of, of what, what year it is. Uh, so, I don't know if they're looking at changing the floor rules for this, for the upcoming year, but this is the sort of time where they'd be looking at floor rule changes and then they'd be implemented at the beginning of next year before Cote season. Before we get to the obvious, what do you think about the cut system, which is the main thing that people care about in the floor rules? Is there anything else that you guys think should be looked at in the floor rules? Um, I think there should be more people in the cut. You said like, about the other cut. than the cut system. Oh, other than excessive <laughs> boy. Sorry. Uh, I can't think of anything. I've always wondered about the the scouting rules. How scouting's know. always been kind of weird for me because, like, after in a tournament, usually a lot of people end up finishing like in like fifteen ten minutes, and then you got like a half an hour. Or to Trevor kill. gets done in yeah. like a minute thirty. Forty five seconds. Thank you. That was um, impressive. Don't brag too much about being fast, Trevor. <laughs> I'm just gonna. You know, I'm just gonna put my head down for the rest of the session. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, we wonder why Trevor is still single. But, you know, I, I just need to remember going to one Cote where I had finished my top 16, top 8, and top 4 matches and then got to wait 2 or 3 hours for my top 2 match. That's the Palmer rule, though. And, and well, that's why I don't like untimed early switch rounds, uh, which is, I guess, another thing. But on the, on the scouting, I mean, the two provisions that relate to scouting are... There's one that says you can't... By default, you can't spectate other players' games unless the TO says you can. And then if one of the players says, 
that he wants people away, then the TO pretty they say should should send them away. Send and them. then you're not allowed to record any information during the course of a game about your opponent's deck. And I mean, obviously, these are, are driven by the general idea that oh, you don't want people to know what other people are playing. And, and to go into it blind and everybody on an even footing. Yeah, you, you don't want it that your buddy has fought this guy two rounds ago and wrote down every card in his deck, and so you know every card in his deck already. Well, but that's... Well, and that kind of produces what the problem with this is. There isn't as much on the line in L5R, so it hasn't been as much of an issue, but the rules say that you can't write down, sitting there at the table, everything that's in the other guy's deck, but if you actually want to scout... It's really hard to stop people. Regardless of what the rules say, people watch other games at tournaments all the time. You see the guy who's sitting down next to you, you see what his cards are, you play somebody. If you really want to, I mean, you can go and start writing down the contents of his deck as soon as you, you play it. It's not like anybody's going to be able to yeah, catch you doing that. It's, it's really, really hard to prevent from happening. And, you know, if you're a player who's finished early, it's really, really hard not to watch other people's games. It's, you're just bored. It's yeah, I mean, not just if you're bored, but if you're in a the store in some cases, and just it, be out by yourself. If you're in a store that barely fits the players you have, it's a ninety-player coat here. Well, and like that, that is one of the. I mean, that's one of the specific things that they know for when a TO may want to allow spectating is that if it's a small venue. But I mean, I guess the other option is to go to what basically Magic does, which is to get rid of the anti-scouting rules, period, because they're not enforceable. Well, and so by having a rule that you can't enforce, you just penalize people who follow the rules. I, I feel like because you have the option of telling people to go away, like if you don't want people to see your deck, you can tell people to go away. That's a perfectly fair provision in the rule. And if they continue to, to, to hang around after that, then you can call a judge and, and get them for, for scouting. But I kind of feel like it's that, that, that clause that they have at like every convention set of rules, that if you're acting like a, a jerk, they can kick you out. Now, there are plenty of people at conventions that are being obnoxious and acting like jerks. It's just a matter of, of when and how they enforce that rule. Right now, you're allowed to ask for spectators to leave, period. It's not like you're allowed to ask people to leave if they're being disruptive to the game. I mean, obviously, you shouldn't have to ask if they're being disruptive to the game. I mean, they should, the, the TOs yeah, should think... see that and just toss them. But you can ask for people to leave right now regardless of whether or not they're being disruptive or anything. You can just I mean, say, go away. What, what I mean to say is that that it's good that you can you can tell people to go away because you're worried about them scouting your deck or for whatever reason you don't want them watching you play the game. It's what, I'm, what I mean to say is that it's one of those rules that is there in case you need to implement it. Okay, it's I mean, scouting is not not something we're really trying to prevent. It, but if somebody's obviously doing it, then you can then you can exercise the rule. I don't think I've ever seen anyone call people or to call judges to send people away. They can get a broom, shove them off. And like some other stuff, I think we'll, we'll talk about a little bit, there are issues with having that sort of thing be discretionary and requiring the players to act on it. I mean, especially in L5R. L5R has a long history of the notion of, you know, this this isn't magic where everybody's hyper-competitive and we're all trying to, to be, are going to be honorable. And so people don't want to take measures against other people breaking the rules because somehow you shouldn't be assuming that some other player might be breaking the rules. You know, people who won't cut or shuffle their opponent's decks, uh, and, you know, and that, that sort of thing, which un unfortunately 
also just invites people then to break the rules because they're they're well, not going to get called. Them. Well, they're not they're not going to get called on it. And the guy at the cote who is actually asking the spectators to go away, everybody else is probably going to think he's a jerk. Well, I mean, you shouldn't put that burden on the play if if you're going to have that as a rule. It sh the burden shouldn't be on the player. Although I'm not sure if you should have it as a rule. Well, if the player doesn't want me watching the game, then and they tell me to go away, I'll go away. But I, I mean, and most players would do that. I mean, if I was sitting there and I didn't want, want people watching what I was doing because I had some like you know nasty trick up my sleeve that I didn't want anybody to know about, I'd ask them to leave, and, and they would probably leave. That's just the way how high power players are. It's just having it in the rules gives you, makes it enforceable. Yeah, but why shouldn't somebody be able to look at your deck? Because I don't want them to see my deck. Yeah, you probably want them to concede when they sit down across from you, too. That doesn't mean they have to do that just because it makes it easier for you to win. <laughs> that should be in the floor rules. <laughs> and again, it, it's still, it's just not, uh, I don't know, it, it, it's not right. a big deal here. It's not like Magic where you, I mean, in Magic you literally had things like people would be with binoculars on the other side of the room <laughs> watching what was in people's decks to record it. At the very high-level Magic events, they literally go so far as all the players take their deck list and you are provided with a copy of your opponent's deck list because the only way to make sure that everyone, in that scenario, because it's so competitive, the only way to make sure that everyone is on equal information footing is to give all information to everyone. And obviously I'm not suggesting that L5R should go to that, but I just, I'm not sure what the point of the, of, of half preventing scouting was, which is all you can ever do. I think that was kind of a funky, it's a bit of a different situation in L5R2, just because there's so much information out available at the start of a game in L5R compared to a game like Magic. Just because you start out with a stronghold in play, and before the game really gets started, you've probably seen about a fifth of your opponent's Dynasty deck, or something like that. I mean, coming from a game like Magic, where you can have just huge surprises on the first couple of turns, you know? And you also get to change your deck between games yeah. in a match. Okay, that's enough about scouting or not, because it's not like they're going to change that rule. Yeah. I kind of tangentially referred to something that was what we're going to talk about next, which is deck backing. As the floor rules stand right now, because they changed printers, you have to use opaque sleeves unless you use deck backers. And presumably once the printing is all smoothed out, it'll go back to being you're allowed to use uh, transparent or translucent sleeves but you're not allowed to use currently legal cards as deck backers. You're also allowed to force your opponent who is using deck backers to undeck back. Not deck backers, but cards. Well, yeah, that's what... Yes, if, you're, if your deck is backed with cards, then you are allowed to require that, that you can have your opponent take it out, although then it lets your opponent call the judge, and then the judge gets to decide whether or not you do it. It doesn't provide any sort of basis for the judge to determine what is or isn't an appropriate request. I don't know what the judge is reviewing there, because it gives you an absolute right to ask for it, which I'm okay with, because I don't think that people should be allowed to deck back with cards ever, even if the cards aren't legal. It makes the play area messy and confusing, and, and you know, deck backers... And given the some of the history of deck backers, along with the history of playmats, which is another rule where you have the option of forcing your opponent to not use it. Both of those have been used by people to cheat in the past, and part of that is with doing confusing things with cards, uh, which is why I think that it should go back to playmats being illegal and you just shouldn't be allowed to deck back. Again, you 
in both of those, that you should be allowed to deck back with cards. In both of those situations, you are allowed to force your opponent to stop using it, but I force people to not use playmats when I play with them. People get ticked at me. I mean, it, it only takes three seconds, but deck backers? How am I going to force somebody to undeck back when they've decked back with cards? I'm allowed to do it, but it's going to take ten minutes. And, and then we're going to go to time, and I mean, it's going to be a whole mess. You just shouldn't be allowed to do that. Okay, well, that was like me talking for a minute. Tell me, because I don't think any of you I think, I think, even, so. I think even if you made using playmats and deck backs, and, and cards for deck backing, made it strictly against the rules, I think people would still do it out of ignorance. Because I know that most players who come up to a tournament, they don't read the floor rules, they just go to play. I've never read them in my life. Yeah, I, I've only read, like, part of them. And that's because I'm looking at Chris's computer as he's talking about them right now. <laughs> well, at the same time, if they made it known, you wouldn't have to read the floor rules. If they made it known that you're not allowed to do this anymore, I think that would get out. I don't think I paid that much attention. Well, and I don't, well, even if people didn't have that much attention, I don't think you'd have the same problem if if the rules just flat out said, you are not allowed to do X, and my opponent sits down across from me and tries to do X, I can say, I'm sorry, but that's just against the rules. Right now, if my opponent sits down with a playmat, even though I'm allowed to tell my opponent he's not allowed to use my playmat, and there's a good reason for that, because people have repeatedly used them to cheat, I'm now the jerk who's making him use a playmat, even though he's allowed to use it if I only wasn't raising an objection. So I think people would show up with playmats. I don't know how many people would show up with a card-backed deck backer. You have to be really into it, into L5R, to be assembling that many copies of a card just for the purposes of deck backing. It's not like there's a problem with the, the deck backers that AEG sells. Nobody's... They're not confusing. I mean, they have art on them that's obviously, from a card. Obviously, AEG is not going to make their deck backers illegal. Well, well, <laughs> well, and there's no reason to. If you were banning those, you may as well ban people from having deck backers that have art on the... the I'm sorry, not deck backers, but having opaque sleeves, sleeves yeah, that have yeah. art on them. It's, it's the same thing there. Right, I mean, the problem comes from and having used deck backers that were cards back in the Dark Ages. The problem comes from that you get confusion of, oh, is that a face-up guy or a face-down province. I'm just glancing briefly. I'm a, I'm all in at that province. Oh, that's not a guy. That's a... Deckbacker. Yeah, yeah, deck yeah. I mean, and you're not allowed to use a legal card as a deckbacker, but, I mean, that... I mean, there's a, it's a little bit different now since they just changed the faces, but, you know, right. generally some guy from Last Ark who isn't legal anymore, that one lion personality looks largely the same as that other lion personality. You have to actually kind of go over and yeah. look to see is that, and especially when you're deck back a dynasty deck in dynasty personalities. Yeah. Or, or oh, any yeah. dynasty card. Yeah, is that a holding or an event or personality sitting in your province or is it a deck backer? And again, it, there's just an opportunity for confusion. It, you are going to have instances where your opponent is confused by your deck backers and screws up because of it. So that's why I don't think you should. I see your point. You see my point. You don't care, but you see my point. I mean, I just <laughs> I just use the opaque sleeves anyway, but yeah. Well, and, I, and I think this is a very small portion of things. Yeah. Most yeah, so very, not a lot of it. yeah, not a lot of L5R players even use playmats, and very few people actually deck back with cards. With cards, yeah. Uh, just partially because it can be such a pain, even if it's a common. If it's a recent common. 
than you you could have. Other than that, you really got to go out of your way. You got to well, pick forty copies of a card, all from the same set, well, because otherwise it's marked. Speaking whistle for John Store and eBay. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, having done it back in the day, there are certain promos that it's pretty easy to get your hands on forty copies, like the uh, the participation promo right now that nobody really cares about. I probably got forty copies in my bag right now. I don't think anybody would care if I took them and didn't hand them out as prize support next week. I'm going to so report you to AEGD. <laughs> I'm not taking them. I'm saying I don't think anyone would notice. I'm going to drop recruiter and tokens on my stuff. No, no, not that one. The shuffle of egg one. Cycle oh. of heaven. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, we only just got the recruiter stuff because that was from the, the Black Friday freeze stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. But what else is there that's still not the cut system, Kevin? What about... <laughs> The judge playing in small storyline events. Right now, if you have a storyline event, the judge is, period, not allowed to play in that storyline event. Now, there are rules in the floor rules for the three-judge system, which is a way that makes sure that the judge who's in the game is never making a ruling in the game. But although it's in the floor rules, but I don't know how many people actually follow the floor rules in any strict fashion when it's not a storyline event. Have we ever had a just tournament at our store where the judge didn't just play? I, I don't think I so. Mean, yeah, no. I mean, what would be pretty lousy for the judge. Yeah. Hey, this is, you know, there's like eight of us here playing, but sorry, you have to watch. Should people be allowed to use the three-judge system in small storyline events? I mean, there are there are winner's choice, and some of these name-a-card tournaments that have 10 players, that have 13 players, that have 18 players... I think if it's, like, less than 20 people, then the judge should be allowed to play. I think if it's less than a cote size, then it's fine. I think you'd have to set a number. Yeah, oh, for the storyline yeah. size, yeah. It seems like for a cote, just given all the you really all that goes a into a cote, yeah. yeah. To tie it into the cut system, maybe if the cut system is something where you only cut to a top two, then you could use the three-judge system, because then even if two of the judges made the cut... Yeah. You'd still always have somebody <laughs> to, to rule on the events. For a small tournament like that, in a small community like that, I think that the guy who's putting together all those local events should should get the chance to, to play in them. Definitely. But, yeah, I think there's a lot where if you couldn't play, you just wouldn't bother to run anymore. That one level 10 event or something that gets come in, guy who's been running all the other tournaments for everybody... And, you know, organizing the local community still doesn't get to play in the tournament that he's probably the one who's done all the work to get in. Uh, okay, now you can talk about the cut system, Kevin. I think there should be more people making the cut. In what way? Well, more people making the cut. Right now, that's, I mean, for the... There should be better so they can the, make the cut. The, the cuts... <laughs> <laughs> the cut system no, right now, for those who don't numbers there. Uh, follow uh, track of these... For two to seven players, you play, for the Swiss rounds, for two to seven players, you play round robin. For eight to 32 players, you play for six rounds. For any more than 32 players, you play seven rounds. Then, for the cut, one to 20 players is a top two. 21 to 40 players is a top four. 41 to 80 players is a top eight. 81 to 160 players is top 16. And if you're the second chance tournaments in Euro <laughs> Champs or Worlds that's held in Europe, it's top 32, because because you'll break. I don't know if you're ever going to get another tournament that the, uh, the second chance event at Gen Con have. 
There were oh no they the uh, no there's the grinders the grinders at uh some of the grinders at, the first grinder at Gen Con actually had enough people in it that it would have had a top thirty two if it was a normal. But didn't just all five and twos. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Flag. yeah. Yeah. All five twos just got in the way. Okay. So that's what the system is right now. What do you think the system should be, Kevin? I think it should be if you've got like one to ten players, it's top two. Ten to about, I'd say, thirty players, it's top four. 30 players to about 60 players is top 8. 60 to ridiculous. I like, like, maybe like 100 should be top 16, and anything after that is top 32. Anybody else want to comment before I tell Kevin how silly it is to so go to a top 4? I wouldn't have players, people. yeah. It's 40% of the field. I wouldn't go to a top 32 that fast either, but. I mean, I have not, I haven't like sit, sat down and like done the hard numbers on these. Right. My, my 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 first estimates. Yeah. Um. But I know that you know it feels good to make the cut, and it encourages people to go to more tournaments if they got a better chance of making the cut. There is a mental thing about making the cut that there are some number of players who basically feel that they failed at the tournament if they don't make the cut. And there are a certain number of players who, if they make the cut, that is the big goal. That is their yeah. tournament experience. I mean, that is, yeah. yeah, that is, you know, that's winning the tournament you know, for that player. I don't think there's any intrinsic superiority to having a somewhat smaller cut or a somewhat larger cut. I think you can, if you take it to extremes, you get into silliness. You know, cutting to a top two after a 100-man event is dumb. Cutting to a top 16 after a 25-man event is just dumb. But I think there's a lot of middle ground where it could be whatever, but L5R players do tend to prefer the larger cuts. That's, to some extent, possibly an artifact of the old system. Of, of the old generous cut system from, it would have been three Kote seasons ago when that was last. Or three. Yeah, you know what, it would have been 2008, three, three when, 2008 when that was last in place? Because it would have been for the yes. old, Yeah, because I think. Wait. Was 2009 the... Yeah, 2009 was the I'm bad with very time. disliked cuts. Well, there's two Kote seasons ago. It was 2009. So I think that was the really strict cut system that people didn't like. Yeah, the, the first one to Samurai had a big cut. Yeah. On the other hand, even when it was very generous cuts, you still had some areas, and let's face it, by some areas I mean Europe. Uh, <laughs> Kote in the U.S. are almost always one-day events. There are a lot of Kote in Europe, or there used to be. I don't think there's quite as many now that there's less of a cut, where there are two-day events, go through the Swiss rounds on the Saturday, everybody stays over, they come back on the Sunday, they would do one of these big cuts. You would mention there was the extreme example, which was impermissible even by the floor rules at the time, was that there was one Kote that had, if I recall correctly, it had 63 players and cut to top 32, which to me falls into the realm of, okay, that's a bit... It's kind of ridiculous. You can't have more than 50% of the field making a cut. No. But the point is that even when the cut system was more generous, there was a large batch of L5R players who wanted the cut system to be even more generous than that. I know... Yeah, at, they should have cut to top 64 with that 63-man tournament. But, yeah, I mean, well, but at, at Gen Con this year, I think it was was Pablo talking at the main event about how it should be a cut to top 32 instead of I 16. So. How many people were at the Gen Con tournament? The main, I don't remember at the main event. A little over 100, 100 something. 100 at the main event? Yeah. It was a top 16. It wasn't anywhere close yeah. to being a top 32. Even the main event at Worlds in Europe wasn't close to being a cut to a top 
32. It's just because you have to qualify yeah, to get yeah. in. I think it could be less. I don't know that it needs to be less. I don't know if I even want it to be less. I certainly don't think you can go to a top four quite that early. I mean, to me, I don't I don't know what the numbers necessarily are, but my off the top of my head is if more than a quarter of the people make the cut, you're starting yeah, to get in, so that's odd. So I definitely would not want to go to top four any sooner than 16 players. Not that it, I'm saying that it needs to. I think, you know, maybe you could knock a little bit off the tops of the ranges that are here. You go to top eight a little bit sooner. You go to top 16 sooner than 80 players. I think some L5R players would like that. Yeah. I, I don't know. What about, I mean, the other three of you, I mean, do you think that the cuts should go down? I mean, they could, but should they? I mean, or sort of go up? Should more people make it in? I think it at a Cote level when you have like about seven rounds, if you go five and two, you should have a very good chance of making the cut. Sometimes that isn't necessarily the case. Yeah, I mean, my, my feeling is you've, you've got this situation right now where it used to be if you got five and two, you definitely made the cut. And then they dropped the number of people who made the cut, and now five and two is no longer a guaranteed cut. Yeah, I'd I, like to see it be that figure out where exactly the math is I, that if you're if you're X and two, you're going to make the cut, and if that means bringing in a few X and threes, so be it. I I placed ninth in the South Carolina Cote and didn't make the cut, and I definitely went five and two, and kind of felt like. I felt disappointed. Yeah, I'm going to call a lot of people under you, too, in 5 and 2. Yeah. I I would much rather see some X and 3s make it into the cut than some X and 2s not make it into the cut. I think more of an issue right now, not for most tournaments, uh, but at least for some, is the number of Swiss rounds. And in particular, this blanket, once you have eight players you play six rounds of Swiss. According to the floor rules, at That's one like, of these small-level town winners' choice events with 12 people, you're supposed to play six rounds of Swiss and then cut to a top two. Yeah. Has anybody ever actually six done Six rounds that? with eight players is crazy. And this is one of the reasons why I would prefer to get a top four in a small tournament and have less rounds of Swiss. Like, in a, in, If I had a tournament with like 16 people in there or 15 people, I'd, I'd do four rounds of Swiss and a top four there's a higher number of Swiss rounds than traditional. I mean, the sort of traditional number of Swiss rounds in CCG tournaments is you play a number of rounds such that you're guaranteed to get down to no more than one player who's undefeated. And so that's one round for up to two players. Once you have three players, you need two rounds. Once you have five players, you need three rounds. That sort of thing. And so with the way the Swiss rounds currently work, 65 players is the first place where you need seven rounds to get down to one. So until you get up to 65 players, you're still kind of playing more than a lot of people are used to, although it's, I don't know if it's as huge a problem to play seven rounds instead of, a, of six. I think it was more of an issue under the 2009 cut system when you would have nine rounds, or very, oh, you could very quickly yes. get to, to eight or nine rounds, and that just felt like it made Cote last forever. So, well, I mean, especially I think, because, I mean, if you're doing that of a smaller cut and more Swiss rounds, the people who have no chance of getting into the cut... They're just sitting around. Uh, well, either they're playing forever with no point, or they're going to drop, at which they, point which you're game. really messing with the rankings of the other players right. when people drop. Yeah, that may or may not affect that much. Remember, if you're using DCI Reporter, which is the most common system, DCI Reporter 
tiebreaker is his opponent's match win percentage, not number of matches won by the opponent, but match win percentage. But there's a floor of 33%. So somebody who goes 0-2 drop is exactly the same as somebody who goes 2-4 drop as far as if you beat that. The big thing is it stops you from getting completely hosed yeah, if right. you beat first, somebody who drops after two or three, right. two or three rounds. And I don't know if or some of that first is... First round you play the guy who completely loses, oh, goes 0-7. Oh, or you're playing that guy who's playing that... A theme deck. A theme deck. That theme deck or that Ronin Enlightenment deck. Mm. Yep. I don't know that it's a bad thing to keep people playing when they have no chance of winning. That's, I think, to some extent for CCG tournaments, that's part of the point of having something like Swiss instead of double the limbs, mm. is that it does keep people playing. Not only does it keep everybody... It, it keeps everybody playing. They're not officially out of the tournament. They can keep and play, but it also pairs people up against other people who are presumably of, of somewhat comparable deck. You could have a tournament where everybody played for seven rounds and everybody was randomly paired every round, but not only would that be ineffective at reducing the field to a small number of undefeated players, but you'd have guy who's 1-3 getting paired up, somebody who's 4-0 and just gets crushed. Right, and they, but, they presumably so you do that, and then at the end you go into the bowl system, right? That's, that's how it works. <laughs> yes, the SEC championship game. You guys can't still see this, but, but I'm putting my hand on my face. And, and <laughs> it's not a problem intrinsically to have the tournament go on longer than some people are playing meaningfully in it. I think that's actually a good thing. I just think that you do reach a point where it feels like you're going forever, especially if you're doing the tournament in one day, which most of them are. Yeah, uh, same, same like a time to me. Right, but uh, I mean, my, my point is there's a psychological difference of, okay, we played three <laughs> rounds, I'm doing horribly, I'm not going to make the cut, I'll hang around for another two rounds, or two or three rounds. Versus I've lost versus, two games, I know I'm not going to make the well, cut. And versus I've got another six rounds, I'm, I'm done. So I think we all agree strongly that there needs to be more gradation at lower attendance numbers for the number of rounds required. Like, yes. if you have an eight-man, there's absolutely no reason to play more than four rounds. I don't think there's, I don't know if you really need more than three, but you certainly don't need more than four. And I don't think there's any reason to lump them into one group like that, especially because I think it's a floor rule that people ignore. When you look at reports for small events, you don't oh, yeah. see people playing yeah. for some 17-person level 10 event. You don't see six rounds of results when people are posting results. I think people are largely ignoring this floor rule anyway, and so I think they should change it. Unless you're sadist. <laughs> let's, let's assume that Nikola is not a sadist. Just for the sake of argument. You can ask him at Gen Con next year. Or you can strike him up and see. What about the higher numbers? Do you like better the lower number of Swiss rounds going back three years ago where you you would only play five rounds up to 32, only six rounds up to 64, or, or do you just like going to seven rounds right at 33, where it's not 33 you know, is a, a little painful number? A little early for seven rounds. Um, I generally prefer six-round tournaments as far as Swiss is concerned. There can tend to be a little bit more granularity there, too. I'm um, used to seven by now, so... I think I'm mostly okay with seven. I mean, I'll just start getting above seven is yeah. when it gets painful. It, if it's a 33-run event, do you need seven? Nah, yeah. is seven a problem? Nah. Yeah. I mean, that's big enough to feel 
something like a real tournament. It's when you're going to a tournament that has 33 players, usually, when you're going to a tournament where you're kind of blocking off the yeah. whole day, and seven rounds isn't so many that it makes you want to cry by the time the tournament gets over. Although, I know, Trevor, you probably go into the tournament as tired as I am when I get done with it. You have no idea. Uh, <laughs> especially if you're lucky enough to get the dinner break in there. So, all right, I think that's everything substantive that we wanted to talk about about the floor rules. I think we noted that they need to update the floor rules to account for the printed card legality, because I don't know if that's acknowledged in the official floor rules, but that's really a minor, a, a minor update sort of thing. Anything else? Nope. All right, there you go. The official Strange Assembly whining about the floor rules segment. You're welcome. Hi, everyone. This is Justin. And you may remember me as I go to telling you to stay thirsty. However, good news. Now I'm Santa Claus, and I'm going to be giving everybody here gifts because generally they've been pretty good little boys. Except for Trevor. Trevor's been good enough. He'll get something, don't worry. So, ooh, ooh, ooh. What do you have for us, Santa Claus? I'm not sitting in your lap. That's okay. You I don't have to. A, I want a bicycle. I want a Red Rider BB gun. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. That's why I want a Red Rider BB gun, so I can shoot Jay's eye out. <laughs> so, let's get John done first, because he's not here. And we can all laugh at his gift. So, you know how John's always sitting around, having issues building his decks, and he's always complaining how he has to steal net decks, and whenever he builds something of his own, it never seems to work out? Well, I'm just imagining in this story, John sitting at a desk, building his deck, because he's sitting at a desk for some reason to deck build. And he's trying to work out this deck, and it just doesn't seem to work out. And then he gets his gift. He opens up the drawer of this desk we've decided on. And there we go, disembodied head of Andrew Ornatov. He says, <laughs> hey, Andrew, what should I put in this deck? And Andrew's head will say, less holdings, more goblins. And then John will be able to bring his own decks with a little bit of help without having to worry about taking them from other people. Except for Andrew Ornatov's head. Well, no, the head will be his, so it'll be fine. Is it like Nixon's head in a jar? <laughs> it can be. It can be. Okay. Will, will it be magically so, shrunk? Wow, so Andrew, if you're listening, run. Run. <laughs> <laughs> Don't drink that glass of wine that's mysteriously on your kitchen table. Let, let, let me get this straight, Justin. Yes. First you insulted John's deck-building ability. Then you threatened to murder another L5R player. And then that that's funny? I think this is awesome. It's the season I'm, of giving. Like, what's my gift? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me go ahead and get to Jay's gift. Because I know exactly what Jay's wanted. More importantly, Kevin, you're just not that important, so you wanted no. to go next is pretty irrelevant. No, I've got this order I need to do workout. We need to intersperse the really funny ones to make sure that the segment stays funny, goes oh, up and down. So this is going to be the funny one, <laughs> right. then? Right. See, Jay, what Jay really needs is, obviously, he needs a new Rattling Stronghold. Yes. That much for sure. But this Rattling Stronghold is going to allow you to play cards that are in your opponent's collection 
as if they're in your hand, and then after you're done playing them, you may remove them from the opponent's collection and put them in yours. <laughs> that, that sounds about right. That sounds fair enough. Yeah. That sounds Isn't good. there some restriction on that where you can only keep the card if it's shiny? I don't see why. He can keep it. whatever cards he wants. Don't worry, I, I got it. He got it. I just got it. thought it yeah. was dumb. Yeah. Like my omelet joke. No, no, no. If, the, if they're <laughs> shiny, I don't have to bother playing them. They're just mine. <laughs> you just preferentially select shiny right. ones. Exactly. Okay, so Kevin. All right. Yes, you get your gift now. Okay. And it's kind of hard because we, I mean, we don't see you as much sometimes. You're up in Athens. You come down a little bit recently, but I know you're a new player like me. Mm-hmm. I mean, we haven't been playing the game too long. So I figured the only thing that fit, it was a great gift, is we're going to get you an entire day with Old Man Freeman. <laughs> Yay! And he'll tell you about how there was an event called Master of Five that just won you games. Awesome. I love Old Man And how Freeman. Phoenix won World, but it was mostly just rattling anyway. It was like a present for today, too. Yes. So it's kind yes, of like a present for today. And it'll tell you how the cold weather this time of year makes the arthritis in his joints hurt. <laughs> Justin, <laughs> Justin. Well, you're giving, uh, well, I'm sorry, Santa Claus. Well, I'm sorry. You can call me Justin Claus. It's well, okay. Well, well, you're giving presents to, to Kevin to kind of help him get in touch with the old days. Can you also make sure that the next Phoenix Clan champion is a 4-5 who costs 17 and has a bad battle ability? Realistically, that seems pretty fair. That's pretty. I mean, that's old school. That is. Uh, that is also old school. But importantly, it's not unique. There you go. It, it, it can be not like you'll get to play with three copies of your clan champion. I'm so excited. You better be. <laughs> and your clan champion can have a wonderful battle action like battle. Give this personality plus two force. <laughs> 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 well, you know, we actually looked at the, uh, what is it, Hida Oushi X-23. Oushi, yeah. <laughs> She's a 5-5 five, five for 15. And her battle action's just some force bow. Ba- battle force bow. We can give Trevor his gift. Uh-oh. And realistically... you going to the entire Lion Clan? No, realistically, it's just kind of come up a little bit. It's obvious what this needs to be. Trevor, you're going to get a theme you haven't been playing for five years. You don't have to put followers in your deck. You can get in some nice... I have a dream! <laughs> but, of course, for Chris... Wait, wait, so what are we giving? Like, is he going to get, like, Mantis Artisans? Yeah. Let's see, what do we want? Mantis... Mantis Toymakers. Artisans! Since, since it's just They're, for... Oh, no, no, no! Santa no. Claus giving them away, they are elves. So it, artisans, yes. It's just for Trevor, and let's see, at Winter Court 2, you played... The monk and made seven posts and yet managed to achieve your canon goal, which was to give away the Temple of the Sun. So you can be, yes, you can be like Mantis Moshi monks or something. Yeah. There you go, Moshi monk. There you go. Deck. Good. That duelist. Honor <laughs> lightning. That is correct. <laughs> no. But you don't have to play big followers. Justin did say it was yeah. going to be a functional theme. Just said it was going to be a new theme. Just for you. Okay. I'm last. You're this last. Gonna hurt. No, oh I, I think it's obvious, and if, you know, the story team is listening, this would help, but all Chris needs for Christmas is a story where Miramoto Kenzo and Miramoto Mureshi beat everyone up. <laughs> Every single person. <laughs> oh. 
I, I actually thought that was going to be they kill Gifu, but uh, for a second there, I thought, I thought he was going to get a story where Gashi Gifu stops a volcano. <laughs> well, if, if you change that to Kaneka, they already did that story, so. <laughs> Kaneka beats everybody up? Yeah. They wrote a whole novel about yeah, that. Yeah, that <laughs> Was that Wind of War? Was that his? Uh, I don't know, one of them. One, one of them, yeah. One of the Wind yeah, books. It was Kaneka versus the Scorpion Nazis or something like that. Who knows? Yeah. But it wasn't canon, only the Nasseru one. Right. It was real. Which is good, because the Cesaro one was... No, the Sadao one was not... Atrocious. Yeah, no good either. No. <laughs> well, that's gifts for everybody. Well, except you. Except for me. I don't give gifts to myself. Well, I, I've got a gift for you from the Phoenix Clan. We're going to give you the gift of fire. And it's important with fire to remember, if you give a man fire, he'll be warm for the night. If you set a man on fire, he'll be warm for the rest of his life. So, we're going to go that extra mile. We're going to set you on fire. You'll be warm for the rest of your life. Well, that's wonderful. All right. Well, thank you, Justin Claus. We all appreciate our gifts very much. Say thank you, everyone. Thank Thank you, you. Justin Claus. I just get cold instead. This is the Strange Assembly News Desk for December 12, 2010. Nicolas Bonjou is now the official Legend of the Five Rings brand manager. Strange Assembly would like to say congratulations to Nicolas. The AEG holiday packs have begun shipping starting on December 10th. They contain over 50 promo cards, a Christmas foil pack, a clan foil pack of your choice, and some normal booster packs for about 50 bucks plus shipping. The December Honor Contest has begun. It consists of a weekly PDF download of games, although it's a little late by the time you hear this if you haven't already entered for the first week. The 15th anniversary Legend of the Five Rings polo shirt is now available in the AEG online store. And the AEG online store also briefly had a CE15 flashback pack for $50. It was a set of CE15 flashback cards, a binder, two sets of clan personality deck backers, and a set of imperial favors. At this point in time, it has come and gone, but we anticipate it coming back again. Also, Valiant Miniatures has released new figures for the Clan War Miniatures game. There have been more than a few tournaments since our last episode of Strange Assembly. The main event at World Championships was won by Maxime Despretz, with Phoenix, who chose to donate the points to the Empire and kill Kyoso before she could summon yet another Oni. The second chance event was won by David Atali with Lion, who chose for Kuranata to stay a Ronin. The winner's choice event at the World Championships had a top four of Jean-Baptiste Laroche playing Phoenix, keeping the points and choosing Blood of the Hero as his keyword. Camille Magda of Crane chose to keep the glory points and chose the bounty hunter keyword. Andrea Severi with Unicorn kept his points and chose the demon slayer keyword. And Justin Walsh with Spider chose to keep the points and chose the dragon child keyword. The costume contest at Worlds was won by Benoit Le Pichon with Ronin. And the theme deck was won by Vincent Dio, a lion player. The Vermont winner's choice was won by Mark Armitage with the Spider, who donated his points to Jigoku and chose the Silk Fever keyword. 
The Fort Worth winner's choice was won by Matt Demand with Dragon, who chose to keep the glory points and the Gamekeeper keyword. The Onyx Championships were won by Fernando Lobos with Scorpion, who kept the points and chose a Scorpion to replace Isawa Fasuta as the Onyx Champion. The Costume Contest at the Onyx Champs was won by Fernando Lobos again, again with Scorpion and again keeping the points. The Puerto Rico winner's choice was won by Juan Sanchez with Unicorn, who kept the points and chose the Sacrosanct keyword. The Evansville winner's choice was also won by Unicorn, this time piloted by Marcus Horton, who chose the Imperial keyword and to keep the points. The Honolulu name and item event was won by Byron Kamimura with Dragon. The Vancouver name and item event was won by Mitchell Hammond with Lion, who requested the Satoshi's War Fans title for his card. The Barcelona Level 10 event was won by Albert Mialet with Lion, who requested Akoma Atemi as his choice. The New Hampshire Level 10 event was won by Josh Griffiths with Crab, who donated the points to the Empire and chose the Friend of Thunder keyword. The Green Bay Level 10 event was won by AJ Val with Unicorn, who kept the glory points. The Nuremberg Level 15 event was won by Sebastian Neufiend with Lion, who kept the points. And the Theme Deck Honor Contest at that tournament was won by a Mantis player, who kept the honor points. The Jade Championships were won by Farron Villagas with Scorpion. The Santiago Level 10 tournament was again won by Fernando Lobos with Scorpion, keeping his points and selecting Bayushi Arashi. The Buenos Aires Name of Celestial event was won by Diego Lasorta with Lion, who chose a Matsu-related Celestial. The Portland Level 10 tournament was won by Andrew Ornatov with Spider, who of course, donated his points to Jigoku. And finally, the Imperial Histories Contest was won by Jason Bianchi, whose setting idea will be published in the upcoming Imperial Histories RPG supplement. There have been eight stories since last we spoke, and if you think I'm going to read all of those to you, you're kidding yourself. They were Searching by Rusty Prisk, published on November 4, Challenges by Nancy Sauer, published on November 21, Scenes from the Empire 14 by Rusty Prisk, Brian Yoon, and Sean Carmen, published on November 27. And then Heroes of the Empire, Fits of Violence, Beforehand, and Love and Duty, all by Sean Carmen, published on December 2nd, 6th, 7th, and 8th, respectively. Finally, there was The Road to Recovery by Brian Yoon, published on December 10, 2010. The Solving the Riddle 2010 event has also wrapped up, but we'll have a separate section about that later in the podcast. As always, if I've horribly butchered your name, and I'm sure that I did that to many of you, you're free to email me at chris at strangeassembly.com with the correct pronunciation, and we'll get it right next time, we hope. That's it for the Strange Assembly News Desk for today. One of the big topics in L5R this year has been the Spider Clan and the Mega Game competition. For those of you who have never done anything with L5R before and are listening to this podcast for some reason, the Spider Clan, when they most of the time when they are in honor or glory in the Mega Game, they can donate it to Jigoku or to the Empire. At the end of the Mega Game, if they've donated more 
to the Empire, then to Jokoku, poof, they become a great clan, and also may get to foster an Imperial heir in the process. And if they donate more to Jigoku, then they do to the Empire, then they cease to exist and get replaced by a Kalima flavored Shadowlands horde of some sort. Yay. Yeah, but didn't didn't Brian actually tell the spider players on their forum that he wasn't gonna actually eliminate Spider? No. 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 No, it wasn't like that. He he told them something along the lines of we're not dumb. We are paying attention. So just because Spider loses doesn't mean your universe is going to end. Uh, it's pretty much don't worry about it. The thing is, let's have an advance warning. Spider-Land players, there are in fact people on this podcast who want Jigoku to win and therefore want your clan to cease to exist. If this is the sort of thing that's going to send you into a raging tizzy, please skip ahead half an hour or so. Or however long it takes Chris to rant about this. but <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I get you back. <laughs> please send all complaints to Chris at strangeassembly.com. Yes, we're going to do an over-under later on so the number of death threats. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be under. It's always under. <laughs> Sounds like a challenge. Yes, death threats from other members of <laughs> See, now you've already changed. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I, I well, you took the under anyway. You didn't. <laughs> but um, I'm just helping. I'm just, I've got your back. It's cool. uh, there are, I think, two sorts of issues that come up in people discussing this. One is, uh, of course, the central thing of do people like the Spider Clan in the story? Or would people like it better if there was a more old school and yet different, you know, the Kalimaz horde thing? That's sort of the primary issue. And then the secondary is, is it fair to the Spider Clan that this is a possibility that they would get eliminated? If it's going to be a possibility that they get eliminated, is this the way to go about doing it? So... I think the one thing to keep in mind in all of this is that I don't think that there's any getting around the fact that the Spider-Clan has been far more successful than any prior iteration of the evil faction at getting people to like them a lot and identify with them and, and being loyal. I mean, I think that there are more Spider-Players now than there ever were Shadowlands mm-hmm. Horde or Junzo's Army and it's or, not even or whatever. Ninja. Yeah. So yeah, my ex girlfriend immediately gravitated toward the Spider Clan. She she loved the evil content. So was she planning to kill you? <laughs> that Maybe. is why Kevin is now a zombie. That's I, I did, well, I'd say that's why she's his ex girlfriend. Yeah, say <laughs> that's why I was going with ex girlfriend. Yeah, Trevor, you got the spiders back. What do you think about these various issues swirling around? Well, even if we just said they've been rendered as a clan, that changes the whole perspective on things. They're no longer you know the faceless horde of goblins that I want to face punch and. Just cry every time I see them. They, they have a purpose. People don't like the purpose, but more power to them. They do what they want. Okay, Cartman. <laughs> I I like the Spider Clan. I like the opportunity of playing the bad guys, and doing all the stuff that's dis, like dishonorable and honor loss, and not having to worry about it. So you're really a scorpion player? Yeah, <laughs> bad guys doing dishonorable yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, scorpion. That's. that's Shut up. <laughs> um, but I, I personally, I 
like the like the undead aspect of it right now. I'm not a really big fan of the uh, the Paragon stuff. That stuff kind of bores me. Um, but I also like my Onis, and I I'm kind of torn on this particular issue because I kind of. Uh, I was gonna say everything you've said so far sounds kind of like you wanted. Shadowlands, you're like, yeah, I know. Evil faction, undead. You don't like the whole samurai-ish aspect. I don't like the whole samurai-ish aspect. If I could have the spider clone without the samurai-ish aspect, I'd... yeah, that's what we call the Shadowlands horde. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh well. Goblins. Trevor, you're alone now. That's how it is. Sorry, Trevor. Well, he didn't say he wanted goblins. He just said oni and zombies. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'd, I'd like a oni better personally. Yeah, I like my Onis, but I also like my... I also like it that we have evil people who are not Onis. They're called Scorpion. We've gone through this. <laughs> <laughs> no, Trevor, they're not evil. No, they're... wait, they are evil. Never mind. Yeah, well, the the Scorpion definitely are less evil than they used to be. I, I know this may only be relevant to Jay, but you go back to the old stuff. We well, like, like were... the first edition... Like... Yeah. Way of the Scorpion stuff. I mean, the Scorpion were bad. I mean, everybody hated them. They had no friends, and that has very much changed. The whole political aspect of the Scorpion has become much more important. The sort of anti-hero notion of the Scorpion has become more prominent. Where, yeah, they do dishonorable things, but it's very much this, oh, we do the things to help the Empire that nobody does. And I think to some extent, that's because that's what the Scorpion players have wanted. I don't know how much of a support there is among the Scorpion clan player base for their clan to really be the villains. There are definitely some. Well, but... the thing is, they've always been, we're going to do what's necessary, not necessarily what is honorable. And where before that was, oh, we're all, everyone else, we're all honorable, we're going to despise you because you're dishonorable. Now it's sort of, yeah, okay, we grudgingly acknowledge that you're doing things helpfully. Story-wise, I think that's part of the problem I have with Spider is with where Scorpion used to be. It's kind of like you have a group that is it's acknowledged as a clan, kind of on equal footing with everybody else, but they're bad, they're evil, and everybody else just hates them. It almost, to me, it feels like it takes a little bit of a suspension of disbelief to not say... Okay, every one of us hates you and you're evil. We're just gonna, every ten years or so, all come and kick your teeth in. Right, well... Suspension of disbelief for Magical Samurai. Yeah, I know. There is, there is. I mean, in any kind of science fiction or or fantasy (laughs) setting, be it you're you're watching Star Wars or you're reading a comic or you're reading Tolkien, there are sort of rules that the setting operates within. And there are things that you can get away with and not. I mean, there's magic in Rokugan, but there are also these rules that have been established for for how magic works, and if all of a sudden you start breaking rules, then things start not making sense to people, and part of that is actually the sort of rules that we as readers of the story take in to how we view the story, and I think that's one of the problems that initially came up with the spider clan is that there's always been except for imperial edition you know there's always been what are i asking what would have anvil of despair the second uh, second expansions where you actually had an evil faction because right. that was tutori's army and yoko junzo's army right? right since then you have the evil people and the evil people are largely 
big bads, masterminds, and then mooks. And the mooks are around, be they goblins or undead or, or minor oni or something. They serve as something that the characters can beat up on. And, you know, the, the, the good characters in the story can face and defeat and overcome. And then big bads can get away with more. They have just ridiculous superpowers. And, I mean, you think about stuff like Daigatsu at the beginning of Gold Edition, yet, you know, uh, Yuchiban at the beginning of Diamond Edition. They do these big, huge things. Daigatsu, we're like invading the heavens and we're unleashing these other spirit realms and we're assassinating the emperor. We're going to taint half of the. Half of the Empire. Uh, yeah. They made it rain. Yeah. Yeah, when that's... Uh, yes. <laughs> but because of their literary roles, basically, when that kind of, you know, supervillain, or, or big bad or mastermind, or whatever you want to call it, when they show up, they can get away with big things in the story without it really causing a negative reaction from the readers, because they are sort of in the mindset of, this is the sort of thing we think, you know, big menace comes upon a scene, does big things, heroes have to eventually figure out the, you know, the way to defeat it. And when you started out with the Spider-Clan, you had a lot of the same sorts of things. But now, because they're the Spider-Clan, and they're this clan like other factions are, people start viewing them differently. You have a problem from the people who are Spider-Clan players because they do identify with their clan in a way that Shadowlands Horde players hadn't really previously, even when the Shadowlands Horde included these literally these exact same characters, the Lost. You never would have heard a Shadowlands Horde player complaining, oh, it's so unfair that our goblins are always getting killed by the crab, and we always lose those fights, and everybody's just beating us up. But that was a real problem when the Spider-Clan was introduced, was all of a sudden... Every time some samurai from some other clan ran into the Spider-Clan people and defeated them, you have a large chunk of Spider-Clan players up in arms, eventually, when this happens repeatedly, that their characters are always getting killed, their characters are always losing the fights, and that's because those are the characters who are basically in the mook role, and they're the same sort of characters that would be that it, I mean, even got to the point that they would have a fiction where some blood speaker who has nothing to do with the spider clan gets beaten up, and you have some spider players up in arms about how they're they're getting beaten just because it's another blood speaker. And then the flip side of that is that now, because the spider clan is not in that outsider, completely antagonistic, big bad role, other players start having problems with the stuff that the spider clan is able to pull off. Things like the Night of Assassinations. Is Daigatsu pulling off this night where they murder a hundred people? Is that any bigger than anything Daigatsu used to pull off in Gold Edition or Yuchuban pulled off in Diamond Edition? Not really, but now players complain about it because they're like, how on earth did this happen? How could you pull this off? All of a sudden, all the other clans start to look really ineffective, and that does impinge on the reality or the verisimilitude or believability or whatever you want to call it of the setting, and I don't know how you get around that problem with the spider. Well, I think everyone agrees that the Night of Assassination was completely over the top. I mean, how many people got it once is pretty much the story team telling you it's time for changing the guard. Maybe they shouldn't have done it that <laughs> But it, way, if, if you, you look know. at, uh, what is it, last year when he got the Empress's summoned, I yeah. think that's the way it should be done. 
sort of like that. They're choosing to be part of the Empire or pretend they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The whole conversation with Daigasu Oki in the garden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was actually pretty cool. Especially the food like is my daddy part. <laughs> <laughs> I like my anti-heroes. I don't really feel like Scorpion filled that role anymore. The spider aren't anti-heroes. They're villains. It's all There's perspective. a significant it's all difference. That's the whole point. That the I mean, that was the whole point of what we were talking about before, is that the Scorpion have moved much more from being villains to being anti-heroes. So it all comes down to the Jigoku race, really. I, I think they'll get more of an anti-hero role if they'll stay a clan. And what happens to the Scorpion, then? Kevin, would you like to fill in the Scorpion <laughs> will continue to be what the Scorpion are now. You talked about what happens to the Spider Clan if they win. One of these things is that they do become a great clan. Which That is... Sorry, Jay. Yeah, I mean, that, that to me is one of the big problems with the whole... As an outsider, uh, with the whole Spider versus Jigoku, is if Spider become a great clan, that makes no sense. How, why would the crab, if no one else, allow the spider to be a great clan? Letting, letting Daigatsu in as a great clan, what other great clan is going to allow that? The truth of the matter is, I would kind of like Jigoku to win, honestly. And I just want to keep the spider around as well. I want, I want both. Yeah. Well, I, I think, an option. I don't think that literally is an option. I think that, if I may be so bold, I think what you really want, Kevin, is an option, which is that you can have a faction that both has the monster stuff and has some actual people in it, because that's what we had before we had the Spider Clan. Well, there was the Lost. Yeah. You still had Daigatsu, you could still have Shurido. A lot of these aspects of the Spider Clan were being built up before you had the Spider Clan. They were just outside the Empire, in their own city, and that by having them be outsiders and not, I mean, you know, they're not in the Empire, they're not accepted by the Empire, you eliminated, or not eliminated, you just, you didn't have the sort of issues that happened with the Spider, where you have a lot of people looking at how on earth did Daigatsu march an entire army worth of people from the Shadowlands into Rokugan and then build multiple castles without anybody noticing. And yeah, going back to, if they went back to that, I really liked the City of the Lost, the that Daigatsu at one point was trying to build up as a dark empire. He had the Wall of Bone to parallel the Carpenter Wall. He he was sort of building up dark versions of the clans. Uh, but then once he did the Spider Clan and, oh, we're trying to go legit, and I, I think it's just kind of... <clears throat> if Daigatsu and the Spider were the outsiders and were known as the outsiders, I'd be okay with it. It's wanting to be insiders that I'm having the problem with of why would anybody in the Empire accept them knowing what they are. I think that a lot of players have a problem with it. Unfortunately, you can hear people reasonably say, hey, this, you know, what do you guys care? Why should you guys have an opinion? This is about our clan and what happens to our clan. But with the sort of antagonist faction, things that happen with that clan in the story have a much greater impact on a routine basis on the setting as a whole and therefore on the other clans. That extends to the most basic sorts of things. Just look at these level 10 series. You get somebody in the Empress's Guard or you get one of the Urawashi or or one of the, whatever they're called, the Sanctified ones. Some Phoenix gets it, some Lion gets it, some Dragon gets just another, whatever. Just plugging a guy in. But some spider guy gets it, and now, all of a sudden, it's a thing. It's going to be distinctive. It's going to be different. You've inherently introduced the idea of this person tricking everybody. 
because they can't be in that position under honest pretenses. That doesn't make any sense. Right. I mean, it's sort of gotten to the point where anytime you see a minor clan personality in the story, oh, it's a spider. He's just <laughs> pretending to be a Suzumi so that no one will pay attention yeah, to him. Yeah, pretending to be a Suzumi, pretending to be a Tonbo, pretending to be a... I, I, I don't know. I guess you can eliminate some of the over-the-top stuff, and that changes some of the problems if you're altering the spider's role in that, but I don't know if they're going to do it or not. We talked about story prices. The spider plan does change how story prices work, and as we all know, the biggest issue that the spider clan has caused with story prizes is that they got chosen for elimination, you lose great clan status, oh wait, you weren't a great clan to begin with, that doesn't work. But there was this thread on the forums, it was a couple months ago now, and people were complaining about the whole elimination thing because it didn't really matter. And we, we touched on this in one of the episodes where it doesn't really make for a great story effect if something that the story team knew was going to happen but that nobody else knew was going to happen now doesn't happen as a story result. And that was because Rusty, uh, Rusty Prisk, had commented on, oh, you guys, you guys have no idea what we had planned for the spider, and it was a huge deal that they got eliminated. And if you remember the interview we did with the story team, I think Rusty's still irritated that the spider guy got eliminated. And frankly, and sorry, story team guys, that kind of worries me, because it seemed like what they were doing with the spider clan already was too over the top. As I think Rich said this, as the bagger said, I, I had actually been talking to people, not specifically about the spider, but what aspects are there of the story that that you feel are disruptive of the reality or the verisimilitude of the setting. And almost the only answer that came back more than once was stuff about the Spider-Clan. And Rich, one of our local players, who is a Spider-Clan player, who likes the Spider-Clan, who definitely wants the Spider-Clan to win this contest... I tried to get him into the podcast today, but he couldn't show up. Yeah. And he said something like, I love the Spider-Clan, but it was like Daigatsu declared them a clan, and then three months later they had deep cover infiltrators in everywhere else. And so it seems like there was this over-the-top stuff, and I know, Trevor, you said, oh, well, you know, everybody agrees that that was over-the-top, but it seems like the, the story team had planned even more over-the-top stuff for the Spider-Clan before the whole elimination thing happened. And so that kind of concerns me with what are their plans for what the Spider-Clan's going to do going forward if they stick around. Right. I mean, that, that could be... It, it does depend a lot, of, a lot on how it pans out, but it's like how it has been where it is just, oh... We're still tainted, we're still evil, we're just pretending to be good, and, oh yeah, you're accepted, you're good, be a great clan. That I have a problem with. But I, I, I would be okay if, uh, I mean, they, they've sort of hinted that, I mean, they've more or less stated in the story now that Kaluma is in charge of Jigoku, and that Daigatsu doesn't like this fact, he's giving the jade pedal tea to the children to keep them taint-free. If they were to say, okay, Spider-Clan, the, the part of the Spider-Clan that's no longer tainted, you can join the, the Empire as a whole. The, the tainted part is gone, but the untainted part is there. I think that that could be accepted into the Empire as a whole, and they wouldn't be trusted, but they would, that would be a lot better than, oh yeah, Shadowlands people are in, yeah, well, and we're just going to fool the crab... Because people listen to the Empress like sheeps. Right now, we don't even know if Fu Lang is, you know, in 
Digot sleeping on Digossi's couch. We don't know if he's yes, yeah. Well, I don't, I don't think he's literally on a couch, but yeah, he's apparently he's got a room in the finger fingers of bone that nobody else is allowed to go in. Yes, he's just available for you know whenever you need a drop of blood. He's collecting unemployment. Not anymore. That just that just expired. But I don't know if Fulang has a connection to Joku or not at all anymore. Kalima clearly is in charge of Joku. The taint is now a link. To Kalima, right. if you take the taint out of Fulang and you've just got Fulang and he he could go back up to Tengoku, yeah. If you somehow get the taint out of the Spider Clan, and yeah, it may require some silly ritual, but I'm I'm willing to accept one silly they've, incident they've where they done that they just de- yes, where they just yeah. detaint the entire clan or or whatever, or they or kill just, half of them off, or yeah. I, I don't. We but, call it retconning. But at that point, you can have a truly evil faction that can exist within Rokugan. Rokugan tolerates stuff that oh, we yeah. consider to be totally evil. Now, they have a Kami. They're not tainted anymore. They have been fighting against Kalima. It's completely reasonable to have them be a clan, and other people may not like them, but now it's just like a, we used to hate the Scorpion, kind of, we right. don't like them. It's not right. a, and we're that, eternally pledged to slaughter you to the man. Right, I mean, if they, if they the did man. it that way, <laughs> I, I, I think I would be okay with it. It's the way they've been doing it up until now of, oh yeah, we're tainted, we're evil, but we're completely fooling everybody. That's what I have a problem. I can see that that's kind of insulting to everybody else's intelligence. Especially the Phoenix. Well, especially the uh, Phoenix Inquisitors, the uh, Scorpion, uh, was there? Corbon, thank you. And the entire Crab Clan. Well, yeah, the Kuni Witch Gunners. I mean, you can really far hit. Smash, smash. There are issues, and it's obvious when you look at the sort of discussions that people have. It is certainly the case that the opinions of a few can take up a lot of space on the forum, but there have been a lot of people over a long stretch of time who have expressed concerns about how you work the spider in, about how the way that they have been doing the spider just makes things look... It just makes makes the other plans look a bit silly. Yeah. And how it's difficult to see how you keep on doing that no. going forward without avoiding those problems. Winter Court last year, my understanding is every clan had a spider infiltrator. Yes. So every single clan brought, literally brought to the most important court proceedings somebody who'd infiltrated their clan. I mean, well, you can't that, have, like... That, that, that's kind of a, uh, I mean, that's also kind of a contrivance for that particular sure. role-playing session so that these, these Spider yeah. Clan people can actually... But I still think, in general, you can't have someone someone's existence in a place being justified by their tricking everyone without that everyone looking like, a, you know, a bunch of fools. Yeah, because and I think if you use the Winter Court example, the sort of more germane thing wouldn't be that they came along with infiltrators, that it was basically a rule that you couldn't discover who was an infiltrator unless the infiltrator decided that they wanted to be discovered. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't, and if, if you discovered them, you couldn't hunt them down unless they decided that they wanted to be hunted down. You couldn't do anything no matter what that character did. Uh, not that there were a bunch of people running around with their fighter infiltrator characters doing, you know, doing maho in, in public and or something like that. It's not like it caused a bunch of problems, although... I know that Tadori's player was kind of cranky that you had a Spider Clan person who was revealed and was running around loose in the city, and his uber tracker 
Crab character was literally just, no, you're not allowed to find this person. And that kind of personal experience writ large is what a lot of players feel about how the spider have integrated into the story. I mean, well, another option for for these guys is instead of, you know, tricking people is that, like, a couple of these characters could be openly evil, but, like, I'm tainted, but you need me. I don't even think they're really evil. Counter-argument, <laughs> counter-argument to that, I, I think that the crab clan response of no one else would exactly... The, yeah, the, there was the story with the Gimpoku game, uh, gang of... Right, 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 yeah. Uh, Oh, you could, you're gonna save us, but you're gonna be tainted. No, bam. And look what happened to him. No, yeah. bam. Yeah. So. so, no, I don't think you could really get away with it. I'm, okay, maybe you could be. On, on like, a short term basis, with a few individual characters, yes, over the course of years with an entire clan. No. No. But one of the things that you have to come back to is what we said up front is that from a marketing perspective and from an isolated perspective, the Spider Clan has been successful. The Spider Clan. It is more unpopular than the Shadowlands Everywhere because of what other things have happened because of it in the story. On the other the hand, base has grown so the, yeah, the, the player yeah. base was fine, and you you don't want to just toss that. So, if you're hypothetically speaking, is there a way to capture what it is about the Spider Clan that that people like without having the problem? Some of that. Seems like it would be surmountable. You can just have them do less over-the-top things. Some of the more literary things seems like it would be hard for them to be insurmountable. For example, I was talking to Fred, and I remember, oh, you know, there's supposed to be this fight between the dragon monks and the spider monks, and there are some RPG references to ways in which a dragon and spider are kind of opposite numbers of each other. Wouldn't that be an interesting thing to the thing? And what he pointed out, which, you know, I guess should be obvious to think of, is that it's hard to do faction-on-faction faction fights mm. because nobody wants to lose. When I sit here and think about, I want there to be a dragon versus spider fight, I really mean I want there to be a dragon versus spider fight, and I want the dragon to win. I'll uh, take a loss if I can kill a couple lions. <laughs> well, that, so, so I, I mean, I think there are some things, over-the-topness or right. some of the believability stuff that are problems, but then there are other literary things why, by making these antagonist people a normal clan that people identify with in the same way, you now have just eliminated the ability to have conflicts, to have real conflicts with that, just like you can't have any kind of serious super conflict between any of the normal clans, because you can never actually have somebody win enough. Yeah, you you have stuff like the the War of Dark... the, the, The Mantis Phoenix War, that I don't think anybody's happy with the outcome of it. Were you happy, Trevor? No? Well, I know we I'm, weren't I'm, happy. I it, wasn't even in playing the game. I'm I'm not happy with it hearing about yeah. it from the, in in the future. Let's see. <laughs> right. My money is actually in the spider monks because one, they're they're not dumb they enough to not wear armor. <laughs> <laughs> two, they have pointy sticks. Yes. <laughs> I have a sword. You yeah. have nothing. Splice. Yeah. But what do you guys think could be done? I mean, let's because let's face it. Obviously, I'm sitting here. I'd like it if Ornitov and his guys put together enough points at Topaz to pull it out. But they're still probably not. That's still not even it's the still Spider Clan. But it, it, the, you it, know, it's, it's a long shot. Is going to be there, but it's always been the long shot too. So yeah. and yeah, well, and that's that's really been quite impressive. I think if you went back and you took out the just pure community vote aspect of the Kote Kote making game, the Jigoku people would would win. Which yeah. is impressive. Yeah. And but that was means you shouldn't cut off his head. <laughs> <laughs> it is impressive. It, it's a lot of work, and it also. 
part of the testament is that, again, when you sit down with the community as a whole, obviously the vast majority of them wanted to still be a Spider Clan. It's not surprising if you asked the Phoenix Clan, do you still want to be the Phoenix Clan or do you want to yeah. become uh, something else? No, no, uh, we're, we're awesome enough. We'll go form our own empire. It's like, like, we have no, that's what the Mantis are doing. In a Spider Clan. Oh. There's completely different perspectives on things. One's just the other, the other's part of it. There's just no taint whatsoever. What do you do from a storytelling point of view with the Spider Clan if they stick around to avoid things like, well, there are similitude problems. The only thing I can think of is that they'd be more like the old school Scorpion. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to say. Maybe the answer is make them like the old school Scorpion where they're evil, but they're not the antagonists of the setting. Have Kalimah's Horde or the Yobanjin or whatever the next villain is have a non-playable villain that you can be- beat up, that you, you need some mooks, you can beat them up, that the big evil is swooping into the Empire and everybody needs to rally around that can do over-the-top stuff. Don't have that be a playable clan that people are identifying with. Just have that be a story of. What I like about them is that they're a mirror to most of the other clans. Like, the monks are a mirror to the dragon monks, a completely different way of approaching the same thing. Same with the Sherido Bushido stuff, the Paragons. And the Shikenjas are mirrored to, like, the Phoenix. Uh, yeah. I, you guys have a track record of doing the same stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, we're our own mirror. Yeah. We're good. Like, Shurido is much easier to integrate in. I mean, obviously it can be dishonorable, but other people do dishonorable yeah. stuff. It's not the sort of spiritual problem with the taint. You know, the taint is, it's literally, you would rather die than be lost for most Rakugani, because if you die, you go to Meido, eventually you come back. You go lost, and then you go to Jigoku forever. But it's a party. But Shurido, yes, getting <laughs> munched on eternally by Oni. Mm, fun! But Shurido is something that you could much more easily spread around as the, these debates, again, you yeah. know, forum debates, a couple of people like, oh, well, isn't she really showing her inner strength and determination? Well, the Shurido virtues are still generally the sorts of things that samurai, that an ideal samurai would exhibit. An ideal samurai is going to have a strong will and is going to be determined, is going to be strong. And it's really about how you use it. Is strength the ends or the means? But you could very easily integrate the spread of Shurido into the story or have that as an element of the Spider-Clan, I think, without producing the same kind of issues that, that having the taint does. So what about the other aspect of it? I mean, is this contest fair to the Spider-Clan? I'm looking at you, guy, whose faction already got eliminated. Uh... I, I don't think it's ever fun to get your faction eliminated. I mean, as far as fair, yeah, they get they get some amount of choice. I had no choice. My Rattlings just disappeared. Poof. Done. If if we'd had a contest to... They have put to sleep. Yeah, if, if, if we'd had a contest, if I give more points to the Empire instead of the tomorrow or what have you, <laughs> whatever that contest is, that would be more fair than just poof, we're done. I think it's fair because the chance that Jokoku's actually going to win is very, very small, even now. I don't know if that, that really makes it fair. fair. That, yeah, I, think, fair I think that's, well, to some extent, I think that's, you can argue that's the worst of both worlds, is if you, if you look at the contest and say, the chances of Goku winning are just almost nil, and I think we'd all agree that Jigoku has ended up doing far better thanks to the guys from the Pacific Northwest and some of the European players than we ever thought that it was yeah, going to do. But if you do look at the contest as one where Jigoku basically has no chance, I think that's 
even worse what's because the, yeah, now now it feels like contest? a sham contest. Yeah. If you're just going to keep the Spider Clan, just keep the Spider Clan. Don't do the, this sort of thing. And I guess I don't know if it's necessarily I don't know if unfair to this the Spider Clan is the right thing, but I think while on the one hand having the possibility of winning and keeping your clan around. It, you know, it gives you more of a chance than just the story team eliminates your clan. On the other hand, it's an entirely different feeling sort of beast. I mean, when they eliminated the Naga and the Rattlings and the Ninja and Tatori's army, they did that because, you know, it just wasn't sustainable in story to keep around some of these factions. It wasn't right. sustainable from a CCG design standpoint to keep around that many things. Unfortunately, you know, sorry, but I mean, we all know the Rattlings went away for story reasons because they were the because they were they were, the, they were not samurai. If, yeah, if if you win, this is the story prize. But I guess if Rattlings win, they need their own special separate story prize, like yeah. Shadowlands had for everyone. Yeah, um, yeah. well, see, I'm we fine with Shadowlands that. Well, sort of spider. I, I don't think that that's as much of an issue because I, I I personally think it has caused more problems to try to shoehorn the spider into exactly the same implementation of prizes than. Mm. than having some flexibility, but those are still mostly stories about people, at least, whereas the Rattlings were just a very different sort of thing, and also just marketing reasons the Rattlings were the least popular faction. And, but at least if you're... At least if you're if you're just eliminating them like the Rattlings, you can sit there, they can honestly, and I could say they needed to go because of this reason, they needed to go because of that reason, and we understand that that is lousy, for the people who were these rattling players, but you know, over overall, we you know we did it because it ends up moving the story in a better direction. So it had to be done. You can't really say that with the spider. Obviously, many of us at the table agree that stopping back from this spider great clan infiltrator thing and going back to more of an outsider thing, we think it made for better story. But I don't think the story team thought that. If they thought that, they, they would have kept it. They, they, if they if they thought it made for better story to not have the Spider Clan, they could have just gotten rid of the Spider Clan, or they could have not had the Spider Clan in the first place. I don't have any reason to think that the story team thinks that the Spider Clan should be gotten rid of. And so now it's say even though your faction is growing in popularity, and even though the story team presumably thinks it would make a better story to have them. Go Spider Clan. There's still the chance that you're gonna your faction's gonna go away anyway, and so it's there isn't that same sort of necessity to it. Justin, Trevor, more monks, more problems. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I like I said, I like him as a dark reflection of what things could have been. Slightly different perspective. I think it's just unfortunate. I wish. I wish I saw a way that they could keep all the things that have made them loved by the Spider Clan players and not cause these other problems. But I, which really can't be done. I, I have yeah. not seen something. I mean, it seems like you have to take something substantial out of what makes the Spider Clan the Spider Clan. And the closest I can come up with, which I don't have any reason to think that they're going to do, is to just completely get rid of the taint from the clan and keep them around as really evil bad guys and, you know, who worship an evil god, but one who is nevertheless in his proper role in the celestial heavens. Evil's only perspective. So, so, you, so you mean like making them like the Satanist of Rokugan? No, because Fulang isn't 
Satan, I mean, Satan, you know, as a concept is opposed to the the order. And that sort of Satan versus God concept, God is the celestial order. Satan is opposing him. But, I mean, in Rokugan, there, there were many things. I mean, the Lord of the Heavens, Anatangu, was an evil guy. I mean, you had an evil guy and a, and a good yeah, it would be this, guy, well, girl, the, woman, whatever. Be more Mars than Satan. That he's part of the pantheon. We, we can't kick him out, but we don't really like what he's doing. What, have you been watching Xena lately? Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Jay likes his Lucy Lawless. I, I plead the fifth. I, well, I, I mean, yeah, but... No, you, it's too late. You already incriminated yourself. <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> yes. As we said earlier, it is now Spider Players. I know we told you half an hour, but now it's safe to listen to the podcast again. You know where to contact me. <laughs> it's never uh, safe. Come to our forums. Tell me I'm... Dom, I'd... We'll, we'll create a special hate now topic for you. <laughs> yes. Tell tell Chris why the dragon should die in a fiery, burning awfulness. See, it's really all your fault. Hey, no, that's our dragon job. Didn't take the emperor. Then, you know, Spider-Man got eliminated, so I blame you. You did this to yourself. Yeah, yeah we were I, to I did this to myself. If, if to only yourself. I hadn't uh, worked so hard during the race for see? the throne. <laughs> Well, there's, there's an alternate setting I'd like to see. I would like to see what they actually had planned to do with the whole elimination thing. And you if, did it to yourself. <laughs> I always love to see the alternate setting. That's okay. To some extent, it's because I just compared to my... I, I do like the whole we won thing better than the we lost <laughs> thing. But, uh, Make another set for the five years and, of darkness. And hey, and, and, and remember that this, this competition wouldn't have been around if we had lost, but they had whatever their bigger and better plans were. Who knows? By now, Daigatsu may be just controlling a, a puppet Bayushi Norichai <laughs> and cackling maniacally or, or something from behind the scenes. I love puppets. Well, this is the first episode since we got all the results from Solving the Riddle, so I thought that we'd tell you guys about that. If you've forgotten, Solving the Riddle was a charity event that I uh, have organized for the last several years in conjunction with AEG for the last two. It was worth uh, honor points for clans this time, as well as a card prize for the individual tournament winner who won the tournament that collected uh, the most money. I'm happy to say that this year's Solving the Riddle was the most successful ever. The last couple of years, we had five or $6,000 raised. This year, L5R players donated more than $9,400. Uh, $9,000. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. 20% or so of the L5R player base hates Kevin. How many Scorpion players are there? <laughs> no. Yes, over both 9,000 and 9,400. And that money goes to the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. You can visit their website at www.pancan.com, P-A-N-C-A-N. Tournament winners uh, included, but we're not limited to, Josh Griffiths, Trevor Valentine twice, because he's both charitable and greedy, apparently. <laughs> I'm going to win, too. Steve Chamberlain, Elliot Parkos, Petros Melitakos, Andreas Orlinson, David Lapp, Kevin Blake, Isabel Porcel, Kostos Adamopoulos, Albert Jimenez, Mark Armitage, and Dario Provost. I know I normally like to restrict my butchering of people's names to uh, 
the news desk segment, but I thought I'd branch out a little bit. But just like there, you can always call and say uh, that I'm a, a terrible, dumb American who can't pronounce anything. You know, along with your spider hate mail. <laughs> yes. That's yes, the same place. Go to strangeassembly.com, click on the forum button. There's plenty of space for you to type about how I am really, really awful. But you guys are great. You brought in uh, a bunch of money for charity. It's the sort of thing that I think makes all of us proud to be part of the of our community, and again, thanks to AEG and uh, Nicolas Bonjou for making sure that we could get those storyline tie-ins that I think help us raise the visibility of the event and bring in donations. Again, thanks a lot, guys. Well, we told you that we were going to do a Dead of Winter preview on this episode. What we didn't tell you is that you actually have to send us $2.95 before you listen to this segment. Or it explodes or what? You have to... No, or else they can't listen. They have to fast forward through. Stop now. Stop now. If you have not paid us yet, stop listening. Where my money? Have you stopped? (laughs) Yes, yes. And of course, our preview for today is... The Imperial Bank of Rokugan himself, who apparently under orders from Trevor and or Yotomo Udomaro has instructed us to extort money for you because <laughs> that's the mantis way. I'm sorry, no, it's not extorting anymore, it's taxing. Right. We're levying a tax on the preview. It's a VAT, or for our European audience, sales tax, I actually am not positive what the difference between a VAT and a sales tax is. I don't pay attention. I skip. Well, I take the money and I give it back. <laughs> All I know is that whenever I'm in Europe and I want to buy something, I just give the guy the money. Really? You don't steal it? They can't trace that across the pond. Okay, well, our preview today... Thank you so much. I wondered why you had that international warrant out. You get no preview, you get to listen to Jay making dumb, dumb, unfunny jokes about Trevor's criminal record. Which is quite extensive, by the way. Just ask him sometime. (laughs) Okay, the preview today is Sapun Ujifusa... Uh, he has unsurprisingly an unaligned personality. Samurai, banker, imperial, imperial bank of Rokugan. We should note he is wearing green. <laughs> yes, the, the art, which you could see if you go on our forums, we'll have the image up, is he is in the usual imperial green with the imperial seal on him. It's not mantis green, it's imperial. I can't no, tell. There are, there are just like multiple clans that have green as that's their not the thing. imperial seal, that's, that's Koku. <laughs> <laughs> One force, three chi, no honor requirements, which are probably necessary to work with you tomorrow. That's cold. Uh, <laughs> not false, but cold. Six gold cost, two personal honor. He has an ability, reaction, when paying a gold cost, bow, Uchifusa, produce two gold. He has another ability, too. Yes. I'm off the AEG, and he is worth one koku. Yes, he is worth one koku. The, uh, the, he's not even a wily trader. No, no, he's, he's, uh, he, they taxed that away from the crab. Is he a samurai or a courtier? Samurai. 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 He will, uh, stab you with the best of them. Uh, he has flavor text. Even. We even have flavor text this time. Yoritomo Udamaro is the most efficient treasurer the Empire could wish for. My worries, it seems, were for nothing. See? So he's now Udamaro's buddy. He's, he's got what do you think about your buddy, I, I think it says bling bling. You have to hold, you have to hold the light. Yeah. Only on the foil version. Don't tempt me. There. 
It, yeah, you'll have to talk to AEG about printing those up because I still don't think we get foils except in holiday packs well, and they're, they're only specific cards that they foil, and this is going to be one of them. Okay, will the foil ones be worth ten Koku? That would actually be kind of cool. cool. Yeah. Like, oh, so, so what are you going to do? You buy the promo and then you mail it back in. Is a foil Koku? Sounds down. like a plan to me. Right, the foil version costs twenty Koku and is worth ten Koku. <laughs> That's how taxes work. That's <laughs> economics. That well, the sad thing is, of course, people would still you'd still buy pay your twenty koku to get the boy guy worth ten. because yeah. it's funny. Okay, <laughs> but what about the card? Okay, he he's a personality who bows to reduce gold. So he costs you six, but he immediately will pay two back. No, it's not ridiculous, broken people that some of you old school Mantis players may remember where you buy the personality for five and then she bows What was wrong with Yashinko? <laughs> she wasn't broke. She just gave you more than she's worth. She was ridiculous. <laughs> I would like a free pillar of flesh. Thank you. It's not free. Yes, it was? No, it, it costs gold. It cost, it cost negative one gold. That's not free. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's not free. They pay you to take it. But this card, okay, this card. I like the fact that you can send him in for one Koku. <laughs> oh, and he's a common. He's a common, so he's not like a rare. There's a lot of Koku. You're just not thinking Jake, you know. <laughs> what? Get a lot of this is what they're substituting in because instead of uh, distribution and packaging errors that make your wrappers worth more Koku, you just get cards that worth Koku straight up. <laughs> See, that's counting chickens for the first pack of Dawn of Dawn of Winter is going to be like an Dead entire of, packet of this. Dead of Winter. Dead of Winter. Dawn the Dead, Dead of Winter. T D O W. And that, as Brian said, that is the. Uh, oh, we should probably say the name of the artist or something. Like yeah. That. Just think, if you open him in a booster, you've just doubled the Koku value of that booster. Well, <laughs> so he'd go, you buy him to play, you spearhead him, and then you use his money later. So you get him, and he pays for himself. No? You're uh, right. I don't know. He does. So is that... So, okay. So basically, you pay six gold, you get two of it back right away, so he kind of got cost four. Do you play with that? I'll make it work. <laughs> we'll find a way. Are you, are you going to have a uh, a custom version of Ujifusa like you do for Udamara with the dollar the dollar uh, dollar sign necklace? Uh, no, I think he needs rings. Lots of rings. Made of Koku. Yeah, I don't know how well Koku works as rings. I'm going to have some. I'm just going to. I'm just going to have a bunch of rice on my hand. <clears throat> Maybe he'll make it rain too. <laughs> Uh, no, no. We've, we've established that only, uh, malevolent villains can do that. But, only uh, so far. Not at all. I don't know. He's, he's got p potential to be something interesting in Jackie. Um, I don't think he's gonna really work for most decks, but he might work if somebody can find a good way to abuse him. If you could use him on somebody else's turn, if you, you straighten him, and there's more ways to straighten personalities than, than holdings. Than holdings. Of course, then he's... That's kind of just a funky rich coffers. Right. Nothing wrong with that. killed. He can also defend you. If need be. He can, yes. Yeah. He he's can a... already see himself home. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and he does... And Oh, no, and he does... He bows to use his... Yeah, he does yeah. bow to use his ability, so you can't use him and then uh, defend with him, which is uh, a or shame. Or, or you could defend with him and use him to play route. You could. You could attack with him and use him to play route. And you're not really hardly losing any force. <laughs> then use his superior ability and ready him. 
Yes. Seems like and and superior ability is worth money, so there's <laughs> even a connection there. <laughs> yeah. That's so, a lot of money, apparently. Yeah, so, so let's see. So we, uh, we all agree that Seppin Ujifusa is cool, that it's neat that you can send him in for Koku, not that we ever actually would send him in for Koku, because, you know, I think having him is much niftier than sending him in for Koku, right? Depends on how many you have. I would send him in for Koku. You can get a big money sack full of them. That'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess it could depend. There are no tokens in this set, so we're back to having 10 of the 50 commons have even more copies in the boxes. So I wonder if he's one of the commons that shows up three times on the common sheet instead of two. Then you could have, like, 10 of them per box. Or what if instead of tokens, you just print him a thousand times? <laughs> I think that would be less cool. I I, I don't think people... I, I mean, as you'd like to get the Coco, I'm sure, but I don't think you really want to open, like, 40 of him in a box. Damn it, Chris, I want to back my deck in him. I, I, I've heard stories about uh, people who made, like, armor out of cards. And so Trevor could literally make himself a suit, hide behind a wall guy, and have him have himself protected by his Coco. It would certainly be easier than making a suit out of Udomoros. I'm working on that. No, 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 no. This is Trevor. Pirate hat. That doesn't happen very often. I thought Trevor was kind of opposed to the pirate thing. No. Or the dressing up thing, except as a pimp. It's not dress up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, remember how we were talking about Trevor's extensive criminal record? <laughs> I didn't know it was a crime. <laughs> Son, ignorance of the law is no excuse. And ignorance of your taxes is especially no excuse. So have some fun with Seppun Ujifusa. That's it for this episode of Strange Assembly. You can find more episodes of the podcast on iTunes or by visiting our website at www.strangeassembly.com. While you're on our website, feel free to stop in the forums where you can talk to us and other Strange Assembly listeners. This episode of Strange Assembly featured the music of Aria. You can find more of her material at www.aria.com. That's A-Y-R-I-A dot com. You can also email us, including those lovely, lovely spider death threats, at strangeassembly at gmail.com or me personally at chris at strangeassembly.com. For Kevin Kennedy, Justin Purdy, Trevor Valentine, and Jay Earl, I'm Chris Stevenson. We appreciate you listening, but screw you guys, I'm going home. <laughs>